Welcome to Get Found, Get Funded, a podcast all about creating visibility, paths for growth, and opportunity for entrepreneurs. We focus on those entrepreneurs who are statistically underrepresented in the startup ecosystem. Your hosts are Zena Island, president of X Plus PR, a media relations agency, angel investor Aurelia Flores, managing member of Athena Digital Media Group, a digital marketing agency, and angel investor Christina Francis, president of Esteem Logic, an information technology consulting and training firm. In each episode, you will meet a new startup founder, hear about their company and where they are now. We then focus on one key challenge facing that entrepreneur, a challenge that is common among startups. Each episode also features a guest expert to weigh in on the challenge. Welcome to Get Found, Get Funded. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Mac Moment of the Get Found, Get Funded podcast network. Today, we are talking about entrepreneurship and investing with our guest, Amobi Okugo. Amobi is a professional U.S. soccer player, currently a defender for the Austin Bold FC of the USL Championship, a professional men's soccer league in the United States and Canada. Amobi was a standout high school, high school, and was a standout in high school and at UCLA, where he was named Pac-10 Freshman of the Year in 2009. The following season, Amobi was drafted in the first round at six overall by the Philadelphia Union. Amobi spent nine year, has spent nine years as a professional soccer player, but that's only one side of his story. Amobi is also a business mentor and coach, entrepreneur, financial literacy advocate, startup investor, and philanthropist. Amobi, thank you so much for joining our show today. No, thank you for having me. It's been a long time coming. I'm excited to, you know, share my story. Yes, yes, it has been a long time. Uh, I, I was introduced to Amobi by a previous guest of ours, uh, Kim uh, Casey, who uh, was on the show, and she didn't after me and her met, and we after she had the show, she's like, you know, this is amazing soccer player. I know he's in the startups. He's got his own business. You really got to talk to him. So I'm excited that we're finally getting to have you on the show today. Um, so my first question for you is, as someone who grew up playing very high level soccer and then went on to become a professional, what was it like when you achieved that dream after only one year of college? To be honest, it was just a blessing. You know, when I first started playing soccer, uh, I'm first-generation Nigerian-American, so my parents were looking at soccer as a way to, you know, stay out of trouble, you know, build relationships outside of school and possibly get a scholarship. And then at a certain level, um, I reached a certain elite level, and, you know, the idea of becoming a professional started getting closer and closer. But it never really hits you until you achieve it. So after my freshman year at UCLA, was fortunate to have a good season. Our team had a good season. And um, the way it just worked out, it, it all kind of happened so fast. Ended up going pro, and then next, nine years later, I'm still here. That's amazing. I mean, first of all, to have a nine-year professional career is, 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 a, is an amazing feat in itself. But what made you want to declare for the draft? Because I got to imagine, you know, you're a freshman in college. It's your first year. You just, you know, you got name Pac-10 freshman of the year. Everything's going well. You know, you're probably big man on campus. You know, people knowing you as you walk around. And you're like, oh, I think I'll go professional. What, what made you make that decision? I think it was the challenge, you know. Like you said, um, being able to play on an elite level at, at such a young age, I was always ready for a new challenge, you know, whether it's the youth national teams, um, 
traveling the world, playing at high level tournaments, um, going to UCLA, you know, making the elite eight in our, our fresh, my freshman year. Um, I think the professional ranks was the next challenge and to be able, you know, you never know how long your career lasts. So to be able to strike while the iron is hot, um, and, and especially the contract that I was getting, the fact that I was able to, um, get reimbursed for school, um, it was a situation that was best for me at the time. And um, I think that, that's, that's what it came down to, being able to take advantage. Because um, if you're really dedicated, if you're really disciplined, school's always going to be there. You can always go back to school or you can do school while you're playing. Um, but the opportunity to you know, maximize your, your playing career um, is, is so finite. That's that's very true. I mean, you know, as a professional athlete, you're you're betting against your body, and you, you never know what the time frame is for your body to hold up and for you to take advantage of it. So uh, I appreciate that that forethought from you. But you, you mentioned something just now about college, and I wanted to touch on that. You know, you know, even though you went on to become a professional soccer player, you still finished college, getting a degree in um, organizational leadership and development with a minor in business administration. How important was it for you to finish school? Uh, it was important. I mean, I touched on earlier the fact that I'm Nigerian-American. Uh, my Nigerian parents are immigrants, and they valued education. That's why they, you know, they sacrificed to come here um, for me and my siblings to have a better life. And um, it, it took a lot of convincing uh, to my parents to let me go pro. And uh, one of the stipulations was that I had to complete my degree. So immediately um, after going pro, I connected with a mentor of mine, John Harris, who's the founder and CEO of Athlife, and they're basically a, a career development education platform for athletes to help continue their education and uh, help with their transition um, throughout sports and after sports. So from there, um, because I was at UCLA for so uh, short of a time period, I had to figure out um, the right path for me. Uh, fortunately, I was able to sign a Generation Adidas contract and at the time, Generation Adidas, it was a contract with MLS. If you left school early, um, Adidas would kind of supplement um, your education through sponsorship and reimbursements. So um, I was fortunate enough to essentially still have my scholarship. And um, through working with Athlife, uh, through Generation Adidas, I was able to you know, transfer my credits over to the local community college in Philadelphia. From there, I went on to University of Louisville, um, all this while playing, and I ended up getting my degree, uh, or both degrees, in 2017. So it was a slow and steady process, but I'm happy I got it done. I, I applaud your stick to it, to, to get it done. And it's amazing that they had all those programs to help you through that. I have to imagine, you know, with the busy schedule as a professional athlete, how hard it is to go to practice, go to games, and then still have to come home and do your studying and get your classwork in. Yeah, you're right. It was pretty hard, but to be honest, it's, it's, it, it actually helped me, you know, it helped me stay focused on the field and it gave me something to do off it. You know, I can kind of get lost in my books or like set challenges outside of soccer. So, you know, maybe when I didn't have such a great game or uh, maybe if I'm, you know, I'm getting too high headed with, with my performance, um, I always can go back to, all right, I have to focus on this, you know, instead of, you know, taking advantage of all the free time that we have as as athletes. Absolutely. And um, what made you want to major in leadership and development and then have a minor in uh, business administration? Oh, for me personally, uh, 
I want to be able to be a CEO, founder, you know, one of those people high up. So in terms of the business administration, I want to be able to have the business acumen to, you know, understand, you know, how businesses run, how it works, you know, the pros and cons of different strategies. And then for organizational leadership, you know, understanding how to work within a team, how to understand um, the environment you work in, the employees, the front office, the uh, upper staff, lower staff, how to find the different techniques to make it all mesh together. I thought it was the perfect um, degree to pursue for the the vision that I have for myself um, down the road. That's awesome, man. And so switching gears a little bit, um, I know financial literacy is a big thing for you. And I wanted to bring up, you know, in 2012, the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary Broke came out. It was a documentary about how a large portion of professional athletes, specifically in um, American football and in um, basketball, go broke within five years of retirement. Tell me why was this documentary so impactful to you and was, and was it a catalyst for you to create the company you run, A Frugal Athlete? Yeah, great question. Uh, that 30 for 30 broke documentary, first and foremost, is one of the top five 30 for 30 films, um, but it really changed my life. Um, understanding that, you know, NBA, NFL, two of the most profitable sports when it comes to compensation for athletes, um, it really put my current position as a soccer player in the United States where we don't get as much money compared to those other uh, sports um, in perspective. So if these, these guys were, you know, at the highest of heights, but because of, you know, not being disciplined with their money, just simple um, lack of financial literacy can fall into unfortunate financial circumstances. What does it look like for me if I'm not extra careful? You know, you almost have to be twice as careful as the next guy because you're not uh, financially compensated to that extent. And uh, after seeing that, I really uh, took a deep dive. You know, I, I always felt that I was pretty frugal with my own finances, but I really took a deep dive and wanted to find other athletes that I could kind of uh, role model myself after because um, broke, it really kind of identified athletes that weren't role models. And what I kept finding were athletes that I couldn't compare myself to, you know, like a LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, um, kind of anomalies in the sport. And uh, as I took an even deeper dive, it was just more athletes on the realm of broke, you know, athletes that lost their money, um, athletes that came under financial stress, um, lost money to financial, uh, shady financial advisors. So it was like I need to find a marketplace where I can use athletes that are doing good with their money. Because like you said, if 60% of athletes go broke, that means there's a 40% of athletes that are doing good things. Where How come we don't talk about the 40%? And that's really how A Frugal Athlete started. And um, A Frugal Athlete is essentially an online media platform where we try to promote prudent financial practices and smart career decisions amongst professional athletes and student athletes. We feel like um, as athletes, we're natural trendsetters. So if we can change the narrative in terms of being prudent with your money, being financially literate, uh, we can get individuals um, to follow suit because everyone grows up wanting to be a, um, a professional athlete. Absolutely, and that's amazing. So that documentary truly changed a lot of things for you. And so you said you were trying to find athletes to look up as mentors who didn't go broke. 
Did, were you able to find any that weren't anomalies? Oh, yes. Um, you know, a uh, mentor of mine that I consider is Ryan Neese. Um, he's um, managing director of Next Play Capital. Um, you know, he was a UCLA player as well, played football at UCLA, ended up um, playing about seven, eight years in the league, uh, won a championship, won a Super Bowl in his uh, uh, rookie year. Um, to be fair, you know, his father is Ronnie Lott, so a famous Hall of Fame uh, football player. But no one knows Ryan, and this is not out of any disrespect or anything, he'll, he'll, he'll say the same. Uh, everyone knows Ronnie Lott, but not a lot of people know Ryan Neese. So um, he's someone that I was able to look up when I was doing some, uh, like a deep dive. Um, someone like a Jamal Mashburn, you know, his, his franchise conglomerate um he has i think almost 90 90 franchises with the uh, outback steakhouse uh papa john's different uh, entities like that um who else that i that i can name uh junior bridgman you know he's an older player um came around in the 70s 80s he's another um, athlete that had um, a franchise conglomerate and uh he's almost worth he's he's actually made more money um post-career than he did during his career just because of the way he set himself up and how he was frugal financially. Um, and there's so many other athletes that I can name, um, both on the men's side and women's side. It's, it's, it's essentially how much time you got. Right. And uh, it's, it's interesting that you brought up Junior. Um, that's the second time his name's been mentioned on this podcast. Um, when we had Anthony Tulliver on, uh, NBA basketball player, he mentioned Junior being a mentor and somebody he looks up to. So, I definitely appreciate hearing that name again. Um, seems like Junior's a, a, a model for what you're talking about for sure. Um, but I want to ask you, you know, what has been your experience being a professional athlete who now has started and is running a, uh, a business at the same time? You know, what's that like? What's that been like for you? Uh, how are you able to manage your time? How are you able to handle all the demands from both? To be honest, it's been a grind because at the end of the day, you know, I get paid to play soccer, so I got to keep that the main thing. You know, as as um, athletes that are in business always say, keep the main thing the main thing because it allows you to to do other things. So, first and foremost, soccer comes first. But um, the business aspect of my life now is is really fun. It's really a grind. You know, kind of kind of understanding how to allocate time. And not really, because as a as a founder, you want to do everything. But sometimes, some weeks, you have to prioritize. So understanding what areas I need to prioritize in um, versus where I can, you know, spend time to respond to emails. You know, sometimes that's not important. Sometimes you got to attack the business. So understanding that and almost kind of liking it to like your own your own sports career or a game. You know, in games, you got to attack some weaknesses. You got to work on some weaknesses, focus on some thing areas that you can work on, um, exploit some things that you uh, feel that you're you're doing good at, and it's almost the same thing. So, just understanding, you know, how I can apply some things that I've learned from sport, apply it to the business, and just you know, stay even keel when it's um, during the ebbs and flows. Got it. Yeah, I have to imagine that you know you're being pulled in a lot of different directions and. Uh... It, it, your time probably gets stretched really thin. No, you're exactly right. So, it, like, I thought I was good at time management, but uh, it's 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 even more important now. 
Like Google Calendar saved my life. <laughs> I, I understand completely. Like if it's not on my calendar, then it doesn't exist, right? <laughs> Preach. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I've been there. People be like, I thought we had a meeting set up. I'm like, did you send me an invite? If you didn't send me a calendar <laughs> invite, that, that, that meeting does not exist. I am sorry. I, yeah. I try my best, but it's too much going on. <laughs> Especially when you're somebody who tries to be accessible, right? Like, there's so many ways for people to reach out and communicate with you sometimes, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, absolutely, man. But so, I also want to touch on this. Not only do you have your own venture, but you're also an investor. You've made investments in companies like MarsRail, which features high school and college basketball highlights and news, and also Groove, a financial planning startup. What made you want to start doing investments into startup companies like these? Uh, to be honest, I had no idea about investing until oh, I did a little bit, but it, until I started Fru Athlete, and then it was just basically, as you touched on earlier, being accessible. And um, I've always been accessible. Um, always try to you know learn from other people, be involved in different um, environments to kind of um, diversify and you know cultivate my mind. And um, as I began to learn more about investing um, from a venture capitalist space, uh, it was very intriguing. So, you know, I did my research, did my homework, got associated with some of the uh, leaders in the space in my mind and um, was very fortunate to get in a few deals. And, uh, you know, once you get in the first deal, it's, it's, it's I don't want to say addicting, but it's, it's, it's really it's like a proud moment. But, you know, you got to be smart about it. You got to be patient because, you know, although I've invested in these two companies, you know, the return is or the return or the potential return because nothing's ever guaranteed. Right. Um, it's not going to be for a while. So it's understanding that, understanding the different marketplaces that you can kind of get involved in, especially as an athlete, and uh, try to go from there. Yeah, I, 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 I see athletes starting to do these startup investments, and what you touched on is key having understanding of what it means to make an investment in a startup or take an equity position, right? It's a, it's a long-term kind of investment, but it should be a strategy as part of like an investment portfolio strategy, right? And uh, mm -hmm. it sounds like you, you, you got that right. You got that, you got that point just right. But I've noticed that these two startups I just spoke about uh, speak to things that you care about, sports and finances. Are those two industries that you you think you're going to specialize in and investing, or were these just two exceptional companies for you? Uh, so there's a combination of both. Um, not only are these areas where I, uh, I'm passionate about, it's two areas where I feel like I can actually provide a value add. You know, I don't want to just invest in a company to say I invested and then um, I can't, you know, help out or I can't explain it or I can't understand, you know, the projections of where a company is going. So that was very important. Um, also, the companies as a whole, um, from top to bottom, they're, they're amazing companies. did my research on them. And uh, also, who else was involved in the, in the companies? Who are, who are the other people investing? I think that was very valuable to me okay. um, in terms of where I want to go down the road. Um, so it was almost... Uh, I don't want to say a way to get into some certain circles that I was, you know, trying to get into. Right. So uh, right. I think that's very important, too, because, you know, say these work out uh, down the road, you know, it's a it's a kind of a 
invitation or an invite for future possible investments. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know. It's almost like a, I know I don't want to be that guy to say it, but it's almost like an old boys club. You know, you get one, you get in one good deal, you know, a lot of, it's like almost a snowball effect. So, um, that, that played a role for me as well. Um, um, I said the value add piece and the fact that I wanted to be into, um, this space moving down the road, and then also the companies as a whole, both Mars Real and Grove. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, and that was key that you mentioned, you know, as an investor, you know, whenever you put a money into a company, you never have enough money to give the companies all the money they need, right? So you got to do it as a group. And, and very often, many investors, they'll make an investment on a company, sometimes based on the other people making investments or other people working with them. So, you know, that is a very common thing you see in the investment world. And like you said, it's, it's a network and you're trying to get into that network. And, you know, when you invest along with some people and those investments go, go good, when they have another investment come up in the future, you know, you get to stay in those circles. But No, you're exactly right. Yeah, man. It's, a, it's, it's an interesting game, right, being an investor. But, Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, but also, you know, in the case of some other companies, you have a, a different title from investor, right? Uh, with GDMY, uh, an app that allows users to buy apparel from their favorite athletes, you're an advisor instead of an investor. So how do you decide which type of role is right for you when looking at a company? Or do they come to you telling you what they think is the most effective way for you to work with them? Like, how does that happen? So it's essentially a combination of both, you know, depending on what they're looking for and what you're looking for. Um, you come to an agreement. Um, but specifically with uh, Game Day or GMDY, um, this was a this was almost a year and a half process. You know, I I happened to meet the founder, great guy Danny Harris, um, at an event at a sports uh, sports techie event, and uh, we got to talking and um, um, we shared each other's profiles. We, we met each other, and it was over the course of a year where we um, you know discussed his project and where where he may see me fit in and how I could um, provide value, um, obviously, um, with the things that I'm doing already. And um, he he introduced the possible uh, advisory role. And, you know, I came in and after we did some due diligence on both sides, um, it was something that worked out. And uh, so far, it's been a, a great relationship. They got a great, uh, great, great company great project project um right now it's in beta but it's it's going to be it's going to be live soon for um a number of customers and i think with the 2020 olympics coming up next year in tokyo um it has potential to be a big game changer so i'm very excited about that company specifically um as an advisor where i feel like you know i'm i'm part of the process of you know providing value add you know many times you know people can just give money and you know give a shout out on instagram and stuff like that but um in this capacity um being able to you know explain the product like on this podcast or and make introductions uh, that that part of the business really um intrigues me as well so it, it's been really fun it sounds like you're the type of investor that likes to be a little bit more hands-on than most. It sounds like you like to get in and really add real, true value to these companies. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, to be honest, uh, everyone talks about passive investing, but, you know, when it's your money at stake, I don't think there's any, <laughs> there's no such thing as passive, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, right? Like, hey, these are my dollars. I got you. <laughs> exactly. 
So how do you find out about the companies you invest in? You know, how do the companies go about approaching you? Oh, so it's, it's a number of different uh, avenues. You know, you have platforms like Crunchbase, AngelList. Uh, there's a couple other ones that I'm forgetting the name of where you can kind of do your own due diligence. Right. Um, uh, fortunately, I'm on a couple uh, investment groups. So I get like annual, uh, not annual, sorry, weekly newsletters, mm-hmm. weekly uh, like deal flow, uh, kind of kind of mix and match based on your criteria and uh, what you, your, your criteria, your investment criteria, or what you want to add or uh, add to your portfolio. So that's a, a, that's a majority of the way I get um, or get introduced to potential deals. And then um, another way that's been really intriguing for me so far is um, different sports business events, Um, whether it's Sports Techie, Stadia Ventures, um, they had their pitch summit, different things like that where, you know, um, I'm able to see a pitch or meet an individual that's starting a company and uh, just get to talking. Uh, Also, you know, you have the occasional people reaching out on LinkedIn and stuff like that. But for the most part, it was the um, first two forms that I mentioned. Got it. Okay. So then, you know, as an investor myself, I know that you see a lot more companies than that you don't invest in. Right. So what's your process for you when evaluating whether a company is a good investment or not for you? It's so tough. Like, because to be honest, when I was like started, when I started, um, like actually diving into investing, mm-hmm. I wanted to invest in everything. I was like, yo, this sounds good. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, let's yeah. make, I'm trying to be like Jeff Bezos. Right, and I was right. like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is how, this is how it starts. <laughs> this is how it starts. So I really had to build a criteria that works for me. And I understand like for my position, I can't, I like, there's a, there's a maximum investment that I can make because of where I'm at financially and where I, where I see myself in the other ventures that I want to do. So right off the bat, if they're not letting me get in at that threshold, I, I'm not getting in. And then outside of that, um, what sector it's in, different, um, where the, where the company's at, the founder, the founder is very important. Not only the founder, but the founding team um, is very important. So I really look into that. Um, I talked about the business sector, where they're at, in terms of, you know, uh, P&Ls, revenue, uh, what stage, all these different factors. And then uh, another big factor for me personally is who else is investing, you know, how experienced they are, um, who's who's on their advisory board, uh, different things like that. Got it. And so you just mentioned the team being important for you. As an investor, how do you feel about uh, companies ran by a solo founder? Then uh, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> uh, to be honest, uh, uh, if 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 it was the same company and they had a, a co-founder, I would probably pick the one with the co-founder because uh, honestly, a startup of any business is too hard to run on your own, and I don't want to like say that to like just encourage any uh, founders that's doing it on their own, but, you know, playing sports all my life, you know, understanding, uh, doing my own business, like as a solo founder, there's so many things that you can't see if, if you're in it alone, you know, you got to have the, the extra set of eyes. You got to have someone to bounce 
your ideas off of, you know, see what's working, see what's not working, um, even just to delegate. And um, I would highly recommend all the all my mentors in this space highly recommend um, someone that has a co-founder. I mean, don't worry, you're not you're not hurting anybody's hopes or dreams here. You know, we just want to have honesty, and you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs need to hear that, um, especially in in the, the the world I am and the role that I play doing a lot of investing in uh, founders of color, I meet a lot of founders who are, you know, doing it on their own for one reason or another. A lot of times it has to do around trust. But when it comes to putting your money behind a company, it it gets really difficult to put your money behind somebody trying to do it all by themselves because, like you said, there's just no way for you to handle all the things you need to do as a solo founder. No, you're exactly right. And I think another thing about it is because, you know, everyone under, like, Someone, everyone wants like to have the whole like all, I don't know if it's like you want all the credit or you know you want the whole the whole pizza, where <laughs> if if you get your company big enough, a slice of the pizza is is just as good. You know, I think Jeff Bezos own, only owns sixteen percent of Amazon, and he's the richest person in the world. So understanding that you know you're going to need help to get to the top is a uh, is is really important. From if I were to give any advice to you know a founder. Absolutely. And so, you know, for you, outside of money, what are some of the advantages you offer a company you invest in as a professional soccer player? Uh, So to be honest, uh, I would say being a subject matter expert, especially specifically in the sports tech space, you know, sports business space, uh, you know, not only living it, you know, playing soccer, but understanding the different dynamics involved in soccer and sports in general. Um, relationships, you know, um, being able to get into doors that um, founders may not be able to get to if they're trying to connect with somebody, um, just the value add of having um, a professional athlete um, it, in your circle. You know, you can get into a lot of doors that may not be open to you. Um, understanding marketing, you know, as an athlete, you know, you kind of understand how to um, – I don't want to. I don't want to say it in like a cocky way, but you know, understand how to sway opinions. Um, you understand, you know, what works, what doesn't work, and um, you know how you can get something to market quicker. And um, and lastly, I would just say experience because you know um, I've I've invested in a couple companies. I've been an advisor in a couple companies. I've started my own company, so it's not just you know someone coming in and just saying here's a check for. X amount of dollars. It's now, all right, here's a check. Here's the process of how we're going to, you know, help you, um, help your company. Here's what we need to do. Here's an action items list, all these different things where, you know, it could actually provide value. Whereas it, um, here's a check and make sure you turn return it X amount of times. Like, no, it's going to be a, a relationship process. That's awesome, man. We need more investors out here like you. Oh, thank you. I wish, I wish I had enough money to actually, like, really, really invest, you know. So it has to be way more strategic from my perspective. Well, hopefully that day will come. You know, things keep going the way they're going for you. I, I can see that in your future. But, uh, you know, investing directly in the companies can be really risky, man. So have you had any companies you invested in fail or not do what you expect them to do? And what did you learn from that? So, so far... um, 
to remains to be seen because I haven't invested in any companies that have really um, like had an exit or failed or anything like that. The only investments I would probably say were in uh, family friend type businesses, so mm. not really the startups, startups, right? But those type of things like the pop up shops and stuff like that, um, like you know, like small loans to different family and friends. Okay. So, yeah, that's a that was a learning experience. Luckily, you know, it wasn't anything that I had to um, go to court about or you know, you see me in the papers about. But it's still, you know, when you when you trust someone, you want to make something work, and it, it doesn't end up um, happening. It's still it's still a tough pill to swallow. Right. And so what was like, what was the, like the biggest lesson you took from that? Uh, the biggest lesson, don't be the only, don't be the only person to put money in, mm. you know, don't be the, the, the majority backer. I would think I was, I, that was probably the, the biggest lesson. Yeah, man. I've, <laughs> there's, there's been a few companies we've invested in where we were the first and only investor in and, you know, that, that could be a difficult one to go, right? You, you want to make sure you're not investing in a vacuum where it's just you're the only person who thinks it's a good idea. When you're the only person who thinks it's a good idea. There might be something going on there, right? <laughs> exactly. So luckily nothing was anything too crazy, but it's still like, you know, and you think like I could have used that money for something else. Like that's when it starts to sting a little bit. Right. Absolutely. But, you know, as an investor, we all have those stories. We all have the companies that we, we thought were going to be amazing or we – there's a project we thought was going to really hit, and then it just doesn't. But that, that comes with the territory, right? And it's something that I think every, invest, every person out there who wants to be an investor, who wants to, whether it be, you know, do friends and family or wants to invest in startups, needs to understand, like, hey, it's called an investment for a reason. It's not guaranteed. You know, it's just like putting your money exactly. in the stock market. It could work or not. Exactly. Right. And so, you know, we've talked uh, quite a bit about your exploits as a businessman, an investor, and as a, a soccer player. But you're also a philanthropist, right? So can you tell us a little bit about your uh, uh, your philanthropy and uh, the volunteering work you do, especially with the charities uh, Upper 90 ATX, and the work you do with your own charity, OK You Go Foundation? Oh yeah, no problem. So first and foremost, I have to do I have to do a lot better job in terms of my philanthropy. Luckily, um, being able to be in Austin right now, I've been able to volunteer a lot more. Um, uh, upper ninety, uh, Upper ninety Austin, Upper ninety ATX is a is a soccer program that provides soccer opportunities and mental training for uh, I don't uh, at risk youth or you know kids that are in low um, low school environments. So. Um, they do weekly or weekly curriculum training, um, and their organization ran by Caitlin Schwartz is amazing. I've been able to connect with them um, ever since I've been here in Austin and volunteer my time. Um, for my own particular charity, our foundation, the OKU Go Foundation, it's almost similar where we want to provide opportunities for, for kids to get free training. Um, as you know, um, soccer, um, this pay-to-play system, um, kids in general are quitting sports at a alarming rate. Um, one of the main reasons being cost. So we want to provide opportunities um, 
to have free training, uh, free opportunities to grow in the sport, while also providing, um, you know, financial literacy um, in these same very same in these very same districts. So um, that's still in the works. I, I still need to do a lot of stuff in that in that realm. Um, but from the volunteering aspects for other charities, um, it's it's been really good, um, particularly with Upper Ninety ATX. That's awesome, man. And you know, whatever level of time you're giving back is valuable because you know you do a lot of stuff already. So the fact that you're still giving back to the youth and you even are still trying in financial literacy, which is you know clearly a really important thing for you, you know, hats off to you. You know, keep doing the hard work. Oh no, thank you so much. Yeah, so. Uh, okay, you go. It's basically a play on my last name, right. trying to give people the opportunity to take advantage of the resources that aren't given to them. That's amazing, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the Mac Moment. I really appreciate it. It was great having you here. No, thank you so much, Mac. Uh, we definitely do to connect when I get out your way. And I uh, love what you're doing with this podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Make sure you check out our website at getfoundgetfunded.com. Sign up for our newsletter and check us out on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And, of course, listen every month and don't miss an episode. Have a good one, everybody.